Ready to celebrate International Women's Day? M&M's and iHeart present Women Take the Mic, sharing empowering stories of women supporting and celebrating each other. And of course, there is a smooth and creamy companion for your listening pleasure, peanut butter M&M's, because they're just another way to help treat yourself in situations where you deserve a little added delight, like listening to your favorite podcast. So savor the deliciousness of peanut butter M&M's and spread some positivity. From breaking glass ceilings to dominating in sports and entertainment, women truly are unstoppable. This is Tracy V. Wilson from Stuff You Missed in History Class. The national sales event is on at your Toyota dealer, making now the perfect time to get a great deal on a dependable new car. Like a legendary Camry built for performance and available with all-wheel drive, you can count on your new Camry to get anywhere you need to go. Or check out an affordable and reliable Corolla with a trim for every lifestyle. From the hip sedan to the sporty hatchback, there's a Corolla built just for you. Check out more national sales event deals when you visit buyatoyota.com. Toyota, let's go places. And we're back on Dealing Together where we help good people who fell for bad deals. First caller? I had to buy three identical sweaters to get the fourth free. Oh, you got fleeced. Next caller, what's your deal? I paid for 20 tanning sessions, but had to use them in a month. Now I'm orange. Ooh, you got burned. Next caller. I traded in my old Samsung at AT AT&T for a new Samsung Galaxy S24+. Hmm, how's that bad? I got to choose from their best plans. So what went wrong? Oh, nothing went wrong. And you're calling to... To request a song? You want a song. Of course. My choice is yours. Our best smartphone deals. Your choice of plan. Learn how to get the new Samsung Galaxy S24 Plus with Galaxy AI on us with eligible trade-in. AT&T. Connecting changes everything. Offers vary by device. Subject to change. S24 plus 256 gigabyte offer available for a limited time. Terms and restrictions apply. See att.com slash Samsung for details. Welcome to Creature Feature, production of iHeartRadio. I'm your host of Mini Parasites, Katie Golden. I studied psychology and evolutionary biology, and today on the show, weirdest animal spit. We are separating fact from fiction when it comes to expectorating animals. Is Komodo dragon saliva really deadly? And what could be as cute as a harmless little mole? Discover this and more as we answer the age-old question, can we just throw worms on our problems? Joining me today is friend of the show, co-host of Jort Center and Lower After Hours, Will Poole, a.k.a. Christy Yamaguchi Main. Welcome! Thank you for having me back. And you've already referenced moles at the very top of the show, and I feel like no matter the subject matter, they get brought up. Every episode I've been on has, has moles in it, basically. Really? Maybe moles just desire to be your animal i it's it i'm starting to believe that like if i had a uh uh an animal that matches my interests and personality it would it would have to be the mole like they they just seem like they are the single most interesting set of creatures of all time they are very cool i love them there's so many of them there's like this whole thing of carcinization where nature loves a crab and yeah, things yeah. keep evolving to be crab shaped. The same can be said of moles. There's a lot of mole like animals or animals called moles who are not related to true moles, but they look so similar and it's convergent evolution because nature also loves a mole. So eventually 
will all either be crabs or moles. So it sounds like you'd be team mole. That is that is the uh, we already have the conspiracy theories about mole people, right? Right. Like that's already a thing. So we're already headed there. We're already predicting our own future with that conspiracy theory. So I, for one, am excited to eventually uh, take my true final form as a mole person underground. Uh, as much time as I spend online, I feel like I'm halfway there. So I feel like the only reason I would choose crab over mole is that I love scuttling. Scuttling is great. Okay, so you like walking, like like scuttling sideways, especially. Yeah, no, the okay. sideways scuttle is very efficient, and I enjoy it. So, other than that, though, mole mole life sounds great to just be down in dank, moist soil, yeah, eating worms. Yeah. So we are going to talk about a secret superpower that moles have. But first, will have you heard of? Komodo dragon saliva being especially dangerous. I have. I, I I heard. I feel like growing up, it was one of those science facts that you learn when you're like eight or nine years old that you just run with for the rest of your life. That Komodo dragons have poisonous saliva. That they they basically have venom or or I guess venom would be the correct uh, term there. Not poisonous. Poisonous is when you're toxic when something eats you right That's and correct. venomous is when you deliver toxins to your your prey yes so i feel like i grew up hearing that komodo dragons were super venomous that the bite of a komodo dragon could take down a uh, a wildebeest or a, a you know a ox <laughs> or something like that yeah, so this is like the way that I heard it is that Komodo dragon saliva is so full of bacteria that it can just bite something and then wait for sepsis to kick in. So it's like they have this extremely nasty, noxious, septic spit saliva right. and then they bite something and then that saliva like gives the animal sepsis, the animal keels over, and the Komodo dragon just casually walks over and eats its prey. Uh, So there are a lot of interesting ideas and myths about the Komodo dragons, but first, some of the facts. So Komodo dragons are indeed very impressive lizards. They are the thickest lizards in the world. They grow over 10 feet long, and they weigh from about... 150 to 300 pounds so they are the chunkiest lizards on the planet that's thickest is an interesting way of describing it like i I, now i'm picturing a komodo dragon with like a a nice rear end on it they uh, do to be quite honest they're thick as a bowl of oatmeal to be honest okay all right all right they 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 do not skip leg day they live up to about 30 years so more like more like komodo wagon am i right (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> oh my gosh so, and that'll be it for me all right katie thank you so much for having me on i appreciate the i think time. that's it i think we've got an episode yeah, there we nailed it in one we nailed it so they live on islands of indonesia in dry grasslands and they will dig burrows to shelter themselves and conserve heat uh so yeah, about their saliva you hear that their saliva is full of bacteria such that they can hunt down their prey by just biting them like once, waiting for their prey to run off, and then the prey gets sepsis. Or in alternative versions of it, they bite their prey, 
their prey succumbs to the venom, uh, the toxic venom, and then like collapses. And then the Komodo dragon just casually walks up. And that sounds really cool, like a very cool assassin move, but it's not actually true. So Komodo dragon saliva is not particularly septic compared to other animals. And they actually have relatively good mouth hygiene. Like they don't, one of the myths is that they have so much rotting flesh in their mouths that it's like, that's what makes their mouth septic. But actually after they eat meat and carrion, they spend a lot of time like licking and wiping and cleaning their face. So they're they're clean little guys. They they like not to... not unlike myself. Yeah. after <laughs> having eaten ribs or chicken wings, I, I'm, I, I'm 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 very uh I'm uh, empathizing with the Komodo dragon. And people would look at me and and think that my mouth is full of bacteria too. So uh, yeah, I, I empathize with this creature so far. Top misconception about Will is that he has septic <laughs> saliva. Yes. Uh, <laughs> So uh, they do have venom-like proteins in their saliva. So their saliva is partially venomous, but it is unclear to what extent this venom actually leads to death of their prey. If the venom does have an effect, it would probably work by preventing blood clotting and lowering blood pressure, increasing the chance that the animal goes into shock. Um, but it doesn't just rely on a a sneaky little bite and then wait for its prey to succumb to the venom. They right. very much want to murder as fast and as close and quickly as possible. So uh, the Komodo dragon is very patient. It will lay in wait and ambush its prey. Once it grabs its prey, its goal is to kill this thing as quickly as possible. It will use its razor-sharp teeth and claws to tear open the animal's flesh, causing massive bleeding, shock, and death. Uh, and so the the one bite and then let it wander off is a myth. The myth may have originated from prey that did escape a Komodo dragon attack, only to later succumb to its wounds, or gotcha. uh, sometimes... Animals like water buffalo will go into the water and uh, with an open wound, if you go into dirty water, you are very likely to get sepsis. And uh, so like that combined with the blood loss is a recipe for the animal to die as well. And then the Komodo dragon just tracks it down, like smells where it goes. And then, you know, it's not going to waste the animal it tried to kill. So If it can, it will kill it on the spot. And then if the prey escapes, it will try to track it down and and resume uh, dinner. These, uh, I'm I'm looking at pictures of Komodo dragons. They have such an odd face to them. It's it's like, it's almost dog-like. Yeah. They're, they're snout, like they, they look like they were, it's, it, it looks like a, like a, a first grader tried to draw a dinosaur. And then doesn't quite know how faces work yet or or like the the muscle structure. They're they're almost almost like doofy looking, even though I know like you you just described them. You know, they're how gnarly these things are. Uh, They're not friendly at all. They're cute, Um, though. I think they're cute. They are cute. They're not not a good thing to pet, but they are cute. 
And they're they're like you said, they are they are chonky. Like mm-hmm. they're they've got like folds everywhere. Like they're they they got little chubby arms. Uh, I know all of this is uh, misleading because I I also Googled uh, pet Komodo dragon because I wanted to see (laughs) if people actually kept these things as pets. Not that I'm encouraging that, but one of the first suggestions was seven reasons the Komodo dragon is an ideal pet. That's but you are yeah (laughs) you are dissuading me of of any of that notion. Um, uh, Also, I think this article is actually satire. So yeah. um, I would, I would say I would say don't keep a Komodo dragon as a pet because uh, it does occasionally, very occasionally, attack and kill humans. Uh, so they don't typically prey on humans. That's not like their prey of choice, but they uh, right. attack occasionally. In a 38-year period, there were five human deaths caused by wow. Komodo dragon attacks and 19 non-fatal attacks. So that's not... Statistically speaking, you're very unlikely to be hurt by a Komodo dragon, but I would say that if you have one as a pet, your chance of becoming a Komodo dragon snack has risen, you know. Skyrockets. Yeah, your uh, relative risk ratio has gone up quite a bit. Uh, <laughs> and I imagine, I imagine the uh, like, if you did keep one as a pet, you wouldn't want it to like lick you in the face or or anywhere like a dog. Like even even though like you're dispelling myths about its saliva, it's still probably not a great thing to get all over you. It probably still has stink breath uh, yeah, from from serious. all of the, all of the things it eats. I mean, <laughs> like it will eat carrion. It's not necessarily picky about that. Uh, they sure. have also been known to dig up human bodies if graves are shallow oh, enough whoa. and eat them. So people who live in Komodo dragon territory generally try not to bury people in shallow graves near Komodo dragons. Um, but yeah, I mean, uh, so they uh, also are... It's interesting. I say they're not picky, but they are actually a little picky because they apparently... Avoid eating undigested plant matter when they're eating an herbivore. They'll eat everything else except for like the plant matter that's inside of their bellies because I guess that's difficult for the Komodo dragon to digest. Wow. Okay. They are they are picky. They're so they have the they have the diet of like a a, a kindergartner that doesn't want to eat their <laughs> vegetables. Oh, actually, that's weird. Kindergartners don't eat dead bodies for the most part. That I, I know mean, of. Um, most of them don't. Most of them don't. Yeah, <laughs> this is okay. I'm I'm seeing too. Uh, this is kind of off subject, but like a two Komodo dragons fighting on their hind legs. Yeah, that looks. Th- th- these creatures are so so cool. Yeah, they're pugnacious and gnarly. Uh, they <laughs> they'll eat anything too, from like eggs to monkeys, deer, and water buffalo, alive Ooh. or dead. Uh, they will sometimes like get a huge chunk of food in their mouth and like ram it down their throat by like slamming into a tree or something because like they are trying to get it down. Uh, And one true fact about their saliva is that they have a lot of it and it works as a lubricant so that they're more likely to be able to get huge chunks of flesh down their gullet. Wow. Okay, so just more and more like me with every single... (laughs) Incredible. You thought you thought moles were the ones you could relate to the most, but really, it's it the m- animal it that might be the Komodo dragon. Yeah. yeah. Uh, 
So they, uh, the reason they don't choke when they're doing this is they actually have a tube under their tongue that connects to their air passageways. So I don't recommend trying it as a human because we don't have that. And uh, to make sure that the, because they eat such large quantities at one time and their stomachs actually can expand to accommodate this, they need to digest it relatively quickly, not too slowly, because otherwise the food will like rot inside their stomach and sure, they'll have sure. basically what lactose intolerant people have to tolerate if they uh, drink milk without uh, any yeah. kind of like lactate, but with like a whole water buffalo. So they oh. will sit bask in the sun after a meal to try to speed up digestion because the sun warms their bodies up, which uh, increases the rate of their metabolism. Yeah, that's similar to uh, alligators around here that we have. Um, yeah, exactly. They basically they don't feed in the winter time because that would the food would rot in their stomachs and and kill them essentially. Yeah, exactly, exactly. So yeah, they they need that basking time. It's not just to like preen and feel proud after they've eaten a water buffalo. It's so that they don't get sick <laughs> from the nice. rotting meat if they don't have enough warmth to fuel their metabolism. But yeah, so. They are uh, cute to me, um, probably not good pets, I'm going to say. They will see you more like either an obstacle or a snack. And they are, their, ven their saliva is really interesting in that it is slightly venomous and it is a lubricant, but it is not, uh, it is not the septic, uh, toxic toilet mouth that, uh, rumor has it. So that is just a dirty lie about the Komodo dragons. They do not have potty mouths. They do curse a lot though. They do. They are known they are known for being very crass uh you know having crass personalities and kind of off color humor. Yeah. Yeah. They have that edgy South Park humor and it's really yeah. immature. Very hey, immature. They grew up they grew up like all of us did, like watching Comedy Central in the yeah. 90s and, and yeah developing you know shitty personalities because of it <laughs> well we are gonna take a quick break and when we get back exciting news we're talking about moles witness the dawning of a new era in automotive luxury with a reveal unlike any other as infinity presents a new chapter in luxury the premiere of the all-new 2025 infinity qx80 Join us March 20th live from the Edge at Hudson Yards in New York City, featuring an unforgettable performance by Grammy and Academy Award-winning singer, songwriter, and composer, John Batiste. The all-new Infiniti QX80 is unlike any luxury SUV you've ever seen. Smart enough to anticipate your needs, even before you do. Every line, curve, and detail was thoughtfully crafted, so everything for every passenger feels just right. Don't miss it. Mark your calendars and be the first to see it March 20th at 7 p.m. Eastern, only on iHeartRadio's YouTube channel. Save the date at new-qx80.com. 2025 QX80 coming this summer. 
Does money stress you out? Let FACET flip your financial chaos into clarity. Finding FACET immediately put us at ease. FACET's innovative approach to financial planning ensures your money works as hard as you do, enabling members to experience the joys of having your finances in order. That makes us FACET for life now, I guess. (laughs) Visit FACET.com, F-A-C-E-T.com to learn more. This ad is sponsored by FACET. FACET Wealth is an SEC-registered investment advisor. This is not an offer to buy or sell securities, nor is it investment, legal, or tax advice. These testimonials are from current FACET members who are not compensated. All opinions are their own and not a guarantee of a similar outcome. Okay, quick math. The less your business spends on operations, on multiple systems, on delivering your product or service, the more margin you have and the more money you keep. Obvious. But with higher expenses on materials, employees, distribution, and borrowing, everything costs more. So to reduce costs and headaches, smart businesses are graduating to NetSuite by Oracle. NetSuite is the number one cloud financial system, bringing accounting, financial management, inventory, HR into one platform with one source of truth. With NetSuite, you reduce IT costs because NetSuite lives in the cloud with no hardware required, accessed from anywhere. You cut the cost of maintaining multiple systems because you've got one unified business management suite. And you're improving efficiency by bringing all your major business processes into one platform, slashing manual tasks and errors. Over 37,000 companies have already made the move. So do the math. See how you'll profit with NetSuite. Now through April 15th, NetSuite is offering a -a one-of-a-kind flexible financing program. Head to NetSuite.com slash stereo right now. NetSuite.com slash stereo. NetSuite.com slash stereo. All right, so we are back, and now we are on to Will's favorite animal, the mole. Yay. So moles are adorable little ground dwellers. Uh, What kind of threat do you think a mole could possibly be? They're so adorable. Um, Well, mole saliva is venomous. Ooh, really? Yes. I had no idea. So European moles are your sort of classic looking moles. They have gray fur, a pointy snout. They have large pink foreclaws for digging and a stubby tail. Uh, the old country, the old yes. country moles. Yeah. Yes. And while it's called the European mole, it's also found in Asia. So it's kind of found all over Eurasia. Uh, they are very, in my opinion, they're very cute. They have the classic like little tiny beady mole eyes they have um, uh, a little pointy nose. They're not like the star-nosed moles, which are very fascinating. I love them too. But the star-nosed moles have those like, uh, it almost looks like a hand in front of their face. Uh, and European yeah. moles are not the only moles that are have a venomous bite, but we're just focusing on them for this one. So uh, they have rapid metabolisms and eat about half their body weight in food every day. And uh, so they need to eat a lot to keep that up. And uh, they have basically a few senses that they use to find and hunt prey. Uh, Popular portrayals of moles depict them as being completely blind which is not exactly true. It is true that their eyes are very underdeveloped because they spend most of their time underground, so they don't really need a keen eyesight, but they can detect light and dark. They can detect movement, and this is really helpful for them to be able to evade predators that may have invaded their little mole holes. So they're not totally blind, but their eyesight is definitely not great. These, uh, I'm like... I googled mole eyes, and they are comically tiny. Yes. Like they look like like 
little dots of ink on yeah. the the mole itself. It's I did not realize they were that small. They're they're it's it doesn't it doesn't look real almost. It looks photoshopped just about. It looks like someone took like a ballpoint pen and just like, oh wait, I forgot the eyes. Yeah. Just like, just... It looks like if you were drawing a comic of a mole, how you would draw their eyes on it. Right. There. Just like little dots. It's very so I adorable. find it super cute. Like you can you it's... can barely see the eyes. It looks like they don't yeah. have eyes at all. It's just oh. that their eyes are very, very underdeveloped and very, very tiny. Just basically like little pinpoints. Yeah, exactly, exactly. Um, but these, these things are so stinking cute. I know, I, I can't know. Stand it. Like the the, I feel like I love star-nosed moles as well, and a lot. Most of everything I'm saying about the European mole also applies to the star-nosed mole. But right. the star-nosed mole, like, it's definitely not got the same cuteness because its face looks like a Boschian nightmare. Yeah, it looks like the uh, like on par with uh, pans that pans lab yes. creature that holds the eyes. The, yes, the absolutely. His face, absolutely. Ugh. And there's a definite reason that it has that uh, disturbing looking nose, which we'll talk about in a little bit. But yeah, I definitely do. Just in terms of cuteness factor, the European mole is quite a bit cuter. Uh so. They can hear low frequencies and vibrations. Uh, their hearing is otherwise not like amazing. Uh, but the sense they rely on the most is their sense of touch. So the tip of their nose is one of the most sensitive touch organs in any mammal. Uh, these are called Imer's organs. And uh, they are able to sense a very they're able to sense vibrations through the soil, through these organs on their nose. And that's why the star-nosed mole has those like finger-like appendages. They have a bunch of these Imer's organs on their nose, and they're very, very sensitive to vibration. Uh, the European mole also has these on its nose. It just doesn't have as many as the star-nosed mole. It's like, uh, you know, similar to like when you drop acid or smoke weed, you're very sensitive to vibrations, like good <laughs> ones especially. Um, it's kind of their equivalent of doing drugs, you know? Right. And then when they're trying to maintain the little sunglasses that they wear to like keep you from seeing their bloodshot eyes are very right. comically tiny. Exactly. Exactly. Um, sometimes they venture into like cultural appropriation where they start growing dreads or wearing like, you know, Rasta stuff. And, you know, you kind of have to keep the mole in check. Yeah. Uh, you have to be like, what rock yeah. have you been under? And they're like, exactly. pretty much Come all on. of them. I've been under all we're the not, rocks. Exactly. We're not we're not doing this anymore. Yeah, I, I don't know. I don't know what's what's culturally insensitive or not. I, I'm literally living underground. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> I am a mole person. I am a literal mole person. <laughs> so their favorite food is earthworms, though they have been known to snack on other invertebrates as well as on small mammals like shrews and mice. So, you know, you think of moles as being really cute, wind in the willows, little guy, you know, being sweet and cute and uh, not eating entire little mice, little baby cute mice. But yeah, they will. They'll do it. Nice. Yeah. So they'll they'll they're kind of omnivores in that way. They'll uh, do they eat uh, 
plant matter of any kind? I don't think they typically do. They're mostly okay. they're mostly insectivores, but then they are opportunistic carnivores. So they will okay. eat uh, small small mammals on occasion. And people uh, people get mad about having moles in their yard, but is it just because they make like the little visible tunnels? Yeah. on top. It's just because they make the holes. They and I, I, if they go through plant roots, like if they tunnel through plant roots, that could damage the plants. But they don't eat the plants. They're eating the earthworms. So, you know, they're not they're not really plant eaters. It's just they may, uh, sort of make cause some damage as a byproduct of their tunneling. Man, people got to get over that. I, I would think love so. having moles in my yard. I, yeah. I think I've had moles in my yard before, and I didn't try to get rid of them. You know, like if if you're not planting stuff that can't have like a tiny little adorable mole crawl through it, then yeah. you need to plant something hardier, in my opinion. Yeah, you know, they're also much less to... destructive than like gophers or groundhogs. So yeah, you know, yeah, I like. I them. don't think we have gophers, or maybe we have gophers and groundhogs around here, but also our soil is very sandy, living this close to the the river and the beach. So we, we don't have like, I feel like we don't have a, a ton of those burrowing animals around here, but uh, yeah, I would personally, I would take it as a badge of honor if my soil was healthy enough to sustain earthworms and then moles on top of it, you know? Absolutely. They are very cute. And then this is kind of where the cuteness ends a little bit. So their saliva contains a paralytic toxin uh, that can paralyze their prey. Now, for a human, it's not very threatening. Their bites can hurt, but they're not going to paralyze a human. But they are very good at paralyzing their prey. So okay. they will, especially earthworms. So these, it's hard to feel sorry for an earthworm sometimes because they don't like they don't really got a face. They're basically living spaghetti, but. Uh, <laughs> In this case, I do feel bad for them because the mole paralyzes the earthworm with a quick, sharp bite and a, a distribution of their venomous saliva. The worm is paralyzed but not dead. So the mole will take this paralyzed earthworm back to its burrow, to its larder, and just keep it there for a while. And this poor earthworm still alive. Right. And it can't do anything but just helplessly wait for when the mole's feeling hungry and wants to eat it alive. Wow. So this is a way for the mole to... So it's like... It's essentially like a refrigerator. Yeah. Like, so your your food doesn't go bad. Uh, it's it's alive still, and you can just you just save it for later. Yes, exactly. It's like instead of having wow. a fridge, you just have some live chickens in your home. And every time you yeah. feel hungry, you just kill a chicken. And hey, folks, that's what a farm is. Yep. <laughs> but uh, yeah. Except, that's wild. Yeah, except I guess it's a more devious farm because the chickens are paralyzed. Like you paralyze the chickens. Yeah, yeah. That's a li little more throw them uh, in a pile. sadistic. Yeah. <laughs> Seriously. So could you, I know you said it's not harmful to humans, but can you microdose the venom? Like if a, if a mole bit you, what would happen? I mean, it would just hurt. I don't think it would make okay. you feel any special kind of way. It would just, they have very sharp little teeth. It'd probably hurt a lot. Maybe your finger might 
tingle a bit, but I, I don't think it's going to, I think it's mostly just going to be very painful. Okay. Okay. So, so don't, so still though, your advice, your professional opinion is to not kiss a mole on the mouth. I would not kiss a mole on the mouth. I would not okay. kiss. All right. I would not uh, kiss any wild animal on the mouth, particularly. <laughs> <laughs> Did you see, uh, speaking of that, did you see, there's an account on Twitter, because I refuse to call it whatever he's calling it now, uh, wild TikTok screens, and this this woman, basically, she tried to give CPR to a wild rabbit, and then she went to the ER with some kind of, you know, it's it's not toxoplasmus, whatever, but it was like something, it was like some kind of wild rabbit induced fever and now she's like has all these medical bills because she tried to save a wild rabbit yeah. by putting her mouth on its its face yeah and i i'm an animal lover but y'all don't don't do that that is not smart at all yeah don't administer cpr to wild animals uh please they the so Zoonosis is a thing. Zoonotic diseases. It is uh, diseases can jump from other animals to humans. It's rare, but again, it's like Komodo dragons killing a human is rare. If you try to keep a Komodo dragon as a pet and kiss it on the yeah. face, it's much more likely to attack you. It's the same thing with zoonotic disease. Zoonotic disease yeah. is rare. Giving mouth to mouth, French, French, basically French kissing a wild rabbit makes it <laughs> much more likely that you're going to catch something from the rabbit. And there, I forgot the name of the diseases, but there are things you can catch from wild rabbits that are life threatening. Like you, you don't want to get those. No, not at all. I, so I found it, and I was I was confusing it. So this, uh, I found the lady's tweet. Says two nights ago, I gave a wild baby rabbit CPR with breaths after I took it from my cat. Oh Petey. dear! T- today I'm being admitted to the hospital with signs of bunny fever. Oh and in parentheses, no! Tularemia. Yeah. Uh, I'm on eight liters of oxygen, a cocktail of very expensive antibiotics, antidiuretics. Uh, need light and love, please. Yeah, I, like I, I know this. Uh, I know this lady's heart was in the right place. She, her intentions were pure, but her immune sure. system was uh, not was not was ready not. for the rabbit fever. I, I mean, oh like, God. I get it, right? Like, you want to? Uh, I've had a cat kill a baby bunny, and it's very sad. Yeah, but for sure. What you should do in the case of your cat, if your cat's like injured the baby bunny to the point where it's like it looks like without help it's not gonna make it you could either contact a wild rehab center or just mercifully kill it i would say i mean like that's kind of a call you'd have to make in the moment right like if it seems like it might be savable again like call a wild rehab center they'll tell you what to do uh under no circumstances do you give mouth to mouth to a wild rabbit or no. to be safe, any wild animal. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, that's that's just a good general rule of thumb to walk around in life with. Yeah. as far as I'm concerned, I've seen uh, people. Yeah. I've seen people like touching marmots, like AKA groundhogs or prairie dogs uh-huh. and stuff in the wild, and it's like, y'all, they carry the plague. Like, yeah, yeah. That's, it's very, they, they it's very rare. One. 
It's very rare. But again, once again, it's like that's how you do get the plague, though. Like, yeah. so, you know, your chance, even if you touch a wild marmot, sure, your your chance of getting plague is pretty low. But it's gone up from basically zero to like something. Something. Yeah. Anything <laughs> to, less than zero to, is, is bad news. For yeah. The most part. To get the plague. Uh, so, you know, just I would say don't touch wild animals, even if they are cute and adorable. The I guess the exception would be you can touch earthworms. Uh, just wash your hands afterwards. I wouldn't kiss them. Um, yeah, I wouldn't kiss an earthworm. Although people will eat earthworms, uh, usually for money as a bet. Yeah, but, uh, yeah, not not really my thing for sure. Now I will. Uh, so having uh, you know appearing on on your show uh, recently, I I saved three uh, baby squirrels um, uh, that I think we had some bad storms and they came down out of a nest and we did bottle feed some baby squirrels and then got that, you know, as soon as we could get them to the rehab place, we did. But yeah, we took, we took that advice, which is always the best to contact your local wildlife rehab. And earlier this year, uh, my puppy found a baby possum hanging onto a branch by itself in the backyard uh, and we rescued that little guy as well. Um, took him to the wildlife rehab. So yeah, um, yeah. Just keep your distance as much as you can. Uh, although you know, like we we wrap them up to keep them warm and stuff, and we had to baby them a little bit. But you know, you don't want to imprint upon them or anything. You you want to get them to professionals as quickly as possible. Yeah, in that case, you were not giving them mouth to mouth. So I did want to kiss them. I did yeah. want to kiss them all on the forehead <laughs> uh, and tell them it would be okay. Read them uh, a I f- little bedtime story. Yeah, I, I wanted I wanted to do that, but because I am a grown man, I am an adult. Yeah, I uh, I fought my urge uh, and did the responsible thing. Yeah, yeah, and I think and you still helped them and got them to where they are the most likely to receive professional help and. You know, exactly. like it's okay if you need to like put them like kind of take care of them while you're waiting to deliver them to the rehab center. Um, that's totally acceptable as long as you're not kissing them, giving them mouth to mouth. Personally, I would like uh, wear gloves, wash your hands. Gardening gloves are good to like prevent any like bites. Yeah. Uh, there are some animals that you definitely don't want to like try to keep to rehab or approach things like bats. Like if you find a bat on the ground, do not touch it. Don't pick it up. No. Uh, that is that's absolutely not something you want to want to do because like bats who are on the ground are uh, while most bats do not carry rabies, ones that you find on the ground have are is someone that's sick. So that you're the chance that that one has rabies is more than like the general population because they typically don't hang out on the ground. Uh, and so the one anyone that you find on the ground, just don't don't pick up. Don't pick up a bat unless you're a special uh, bat. And don't uh, don't clean rescuer. up bat poop either unless you have like like serious PPE. Yes. Um, that's that that stuff is full of all sorts of toxic stuff. Mouse poop, too, like dried mouse yeah. poop. Yeah. And uh, cer- especially in certain locations like that's how you get. Uh, what's that mouse disease? I forgot what it's called. Mouse disease. Mouse poop uh. disease. I don't think it's called mouse poop disease. It's called something else. It should just be called mouse poop mouse, disease. Mouse poopitis. 
mouse poop disease. It is a hantavirus. That's what it's called. Okay. Uh, okay. Yeah. I just think of that. That remember House MD? I, I think of that meme of House like going like, "We're gonna use mouse poop as medicine." Uh, <laughs> Wait, is that a real? That's not a real line. That's not a real line. It's just like okay. <laughs> it's just making fun of the show because House would always come up with some kind of like, inc- like very like weird treatment or like he his methods were unorthodox. But right. then they always worked out, and in this case, it's like we have to use mouse poops as medicine. <laughs> yeah, you can't. It's like MacGyver doesn't exactly work for the medical field. Yeah, uh, as as much as these shows would have you believe. Yeah, that, like maybe yeah. Every, every once in a while you can like uh, you know uh, Apollo thirteen somebody's medical case where you like use unorthodox method methods, but uh, for the most part, it does not, the, the field I don't think works quite like that. No, I've talked to doctors and like, they say that um, scrubs was the most accurate medical show of, of all. Oh, of them. that's funny. Yeah, that's no, absolutely. It was like it, it portrayed the, the medical world, like the most accurately, both scientifically and in terms of vibes, which I thought I th- think is kind of interesting. Well, that's that's what I've heard about like Veep, uh, when it comes to actual politics and the the stupid stuff that goes on behind the scenes. I've heard Veep is uh well, like far more accurate than The West Wing or any of these other prestige shows yeah. that deal with politics. Because life is life is ridiculous and silly. Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> Well, we're going to take a quick break, and when we get back, we're going to find out if worms can be our savior. Witness the dawning of a new era in automotive luxury with a reveal unlike any other as Infinity presents a new chapter in luxury, the premiere of the all-new 2025 Infinity QX80. Join us March 20th live from the edge at Hudson Yards in New York City Featuring an unforgettable performance by Grammy and Academy Award-winning singer, songwriter, and composer, John Batiste. The all-new Infiniti QX80 is unlike any luxury SUV you've ever seen. Smart enough to anticipate your needs, even before you do. Every line, curve, and detail was thoughtfully crafted, so everything for every passenger feels just right. Don't miss it. Mark your calendars and be the first to see it March 20th at 7 p.m. Eastern, only on iHeartRadio's YouTube channel. Save the date at new-qx80.com. 2025 QX80 coming this summer. Does money stress you out? Let FACET flip your financial chaos into clarity. Finding FACET immediately put us at ease. FACET's innovative approach to financial planning ensures your money works as hard as you do, enabling members to experience the joys of having your finances in order. That makes us FACET for life now, I guess. (laughs) Visit FACET.com, F-A-C-E-T.com to learn more. This ad is sponsored by FACET. FACET Wealth is an SEC-registered investment advisor. This is not an offer to buy or sell securities, nor is it investment, legal, or tax advice. These testimonials are from current FACET members who are not compensated. All opinions are their own and not a guarantee of a similar outcome. Okay, quick math. The less your business spends on operations, on multiple systems, on delivering your product or service, the more margin you have and the more money you keep. Obvious. But with higher expenses on materials, employees, distribution, and borrowing, everything costs more. So to reduce costs and headaches, smart businesses are graduating to NetSuite by Oracle. NetSuite is the number one cloud financial system, bringing accounting, financial management, inventory, HR into one platform with one source of truth. With NetSuite, you reduce IT costs because NetSuite lives in the cloud with no hardware required, accessed from anywhere. 
You cut the cost of maintaining multiple systems because you've got one unified business management suite. And you're improving efficiency by bringing all your major business processes into one platform, slashing manual tasks and errors. Over 37,000 companies have already made the move. So do the math. See how you'll profit with NetSuite. Now through April 15th, NetSuite is offering a one-of-a-kind flexible financing program. Head to NetSuite.com slash stereo right now. NetSuite.com slash stereo. NetSuite.com slash stereo. So we are going to talk about waxworm saliva, which is a magical mana from heaven. Um, so, wax- so you've already you've already asked if if worms can be our savior, and now you're talking about heaven. I feel like this is about to get like a uh, you know a very religion heavy uh, segment if involving Jesus worms. I'm not a Christian, but question for Christians: If Jesus was a worm, would you still love him? The age-old question, <laughs> you know, if Jesus was a worm, yeah, if Jesus looked at you and said, "Hey, if I was, if I was a worm, would you still love me?" What would your answer be? And if it's if it's that you wouldn't accept him into your heart uh, as your savior, then you need to do some soul searching. There has to be a Bible verse that is essentially that, right? Like a Bible verse where he's like, "If I come to you as a beggar or something like that," but it's like, yeah. if I come to you as a worm. Wouldst thou not still love me? Uh. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh man, which is why the the internet is our modern gospel. Yeah, you know, because it, it it's asking all the same philosophical questions as as any of the old uh, sacred religious texts. Humanity is on a loop, just with like better technology. That's yep. what I'm convinced. Time of. is a flat circle. Absolutely. <laughs> So wax worms are the larval form of wax moths. They are relatively uninteresting looking. They're kind of gross. They're like your typical grub. They're a white, kind of squiggly looking grub. Uh, okay, yep. They are, and wax moths are pretty kind of like drab looking moth. They're kind of tattered and ratty looking. They're neither of these uh, forms. They don't really have a glow up or a glow down. There's no glow about these things. They're just kind of, no. eh. Yeah, you're right. They're they're pretty drab looking. Yeah, they they sadly they they sadly do not have the riz, I would say, of uh <laughs> <laughs> But this, despite their appearance, they are actually quite interesting. So, the larval forms, the wax worms are actually parasites of hive-making bees like honeybees. They will hide in bee colonies and eat their pollen, the cocoons. And interestingly, they can even eat beeswax. Uh, so that is why they're called waxworms, because they can eat beeswax. Okay. Okay. That's cool. So not not because they look like they're made out of wax, but because they can uh, eat stuff. That Have you ever, tried, have you ever munched on beeswax before? Yes. Anything it's... that could... I could put in my mouth I have. I'm just going to yeah. put that out there. Uh, well, that's good to know. Good to know. <laughs> um uh yeah, okay. So they uh that's that's interesting. I would never in a million years have figured out that's why they called that the wax worm. Yeah. <clears throat> have you ever tried to eat wax lips? Yes. Yeah. yeah. Or the the wax like soda bottles? Yeah, yeah. Or like the wax covering cheese? Yes, the outside rind or like wax from your ears? Ah, yes. Well, just just kidding. Just <laughs> kidding. Oh, God, I made myself gag saying that. I'm sorry. Dude, I had a cat 
who was obsessed with earwax, he would like go like go after my earplugs after using them. And I, I it wasn't like it wasn't like disgusting because I keep my ears pretty clean because I, I can't sure, really sure. stand Me earwax. Too. Me too. But like my cat was like obsessed with earplugs and I think it was like that nasty, stinking ear smell. Uh, apparently there's some kind of like fatty acid in earwax that attracts some weird cats. Anyways, Weird. uh cats yeah. are such demonic little goblins. They're gremlins. They're, so, they're, <laughs> they're the best and the worst at the same time. Yeah, part. not even my dog has ever been as gross as that cat was. <laughs> uh, so uh the worms themselves, uh despite eating wax, um, because they convert the wax into sugars and proteins, the worms themselves are eaten by a variety of animals, including Humans, so these are an edible worm. Um, okay, okay. Yeah, I think I've seen like clips of Fear Factor with wax worms. That would make sense. Uh, yeah, I think typically they're cooked, but I believe you can eat them raw as well. You know, I wouldn't pick up any random looking worm and put it in your mouth. Uh, but yeah, so the, these worms are uh, are used as food. So the uh, due to their wax-eating habits, their saliva is actually really, really interesting and unique. So their saliva is loaded with enzymes that can break down wax. And researchers have found that these same enzymes can also break down plastics. So Whoa. waxworm saliva breaks down polyethylene which is a plastic used for disposable bags, for packing materials. So it's a big kind of problem, right? Because we use a lot of plastic bags, a lot of packing materials, and then just sure. throw them out. And it's not something that typically can just decay naturally uh, over short periods of time. So it does break down eventually, but it takes a really long time. So the waxworm saliva can actually break down this plastic at room temperature within two hours. So it starts to break it down within two hours. That doesn't mean they can like neutralize an entire plastic bag in two hours. It's just the saliva starts to go to work and breaks down the polyethylene within two hours, okay. which is actually really interesting and um, somewhat promising uh, because it may be able to help in the biodegradation of this particular plastic. So, wow, that's trippy. That's so, so would the, so if you put like something plastic in a bin full of these things, would they attempt to eat it? Or is it just something that scientists have like isolated like have they isolated the saliva and just applied it to plastics to see what would happen so i think it, it's interesting because i think that they would if it has no other food it would actually attempt to eat it and the way they actually discovered this is i think there was a researcher who had some wax worms i'm trying to remember why she had them just as a hobby, maybe. <laughs> right. And she was, she might have removed them from like her beehive or something, and she was putting them in a plastic bag. And she noticed the plastic bag actually started to break down after she put them inside there. So Weird. I think 
I don't know that they would get much nutrition from the plastic, but if you put no other food in there, I believe they would try to eat the plastic bag. It's probably not great for them, but... uh, Yeah, probably not. (laughs) (laughs) But uh, so, you know, one would think like, well, we can just throw a bunch of these worms in landfills and problem solved. Uh, The problem is that to have enough of these worms to break down all of the plastics that we have represents an incredible amount of worm biomass. So (laughs) biomass is also something that can produce carbon dioxide. Uh, So we kind of need, it's not like we can still just like uh, waste as much plastic as we want. Uh, That's not true. But potentially either through the worms or through isolating their saliva, there is some hope that this might help us with the waste that we already have and uh, future waste in terms of breaking it down and increasing the rate of the biodegradation. So I think it's promising, but it's not the answer to the question, can we just throw worms on the problem and expect it to go away is like, not really. But if we work with the worms, we may find a solution yeah and so i was just think like also worms turn into moths so that like i'm i'm just thinking like if you did try to increase the the biomass of worms around like a landfill or something would that increase like well, I'm just imagining the domino effect of the ecosystem around yes. there, like these these moths, uh, moth population exploding. Do the wax moths then, you know, uh, uh, take food supply from other species? Do what's feeding on the wax moths? Um, yeah, it would like definitely. I love the potential that there is here, but it it offers a lot of uh, kind of. Uh, questions that create a a conundrum as far as the domino effect goes. I mean, that is exactly the right question to ask. That is a question that should have been asked by the people who introduced the cane toad to Australia to eat um, sugar cane bugs. It should have been the question asked by people who introduced mongooses to countless islands to eat snakes. Yeah. Uh, so yeah, that is that is absolutely the right question to ask. Like, how would introducing a huge amount of wax worms to say like a landfill or something affect the the local ecology? And you know, like potentially, if you have a bunch of these, say in like a laboratory setting, you can control that by not just like releasing them out into the wild. But yeah, it's it's. These are the considerations that we have to make when it's like, well, we we found this cool property of this animal. Can we just make a whole bunch of these animals and throw them out, let them do what they will? It is very difficult for us to know and predict exactly what impacts that has. And like you said, it's a domino effect. It's like trying to remove one piece of a Jenga tower. And you might not realize that that was the load-bearing Jenga piece. Ah. So, yeah, exactly. But it's, you know, they're still pretty cool. And hopefully we can figure out how to use them to help us uh, without accidentally creating like a monster that eats all the plastic in the world. Uh, actually, yeah. I guess that wouldn't be so bad, you know? Yeah, just one one giant monster that ate all the plastic in the world. 
Like you just have to keep that that one uh, creature in check. Yeah. You know. Um, I feel like we could come together as a, a planet, maybe for that. that like a recycling Godzilla. Yeah, yeah. I guess <laughs> it'd be more out. like a Mothra. I, Mothra was right there, but I didn't go for it. Oh yeah, moth. Yep, yep. Like a giant Mothra. Yeah. Giant waxworm Mothra. <laughs> That's so. Th- this is like this always reminds me or kind of like recenters the notion that everything, no matter how synthetic originates as organic matter yes and and same thing with with plastics like i i look at like a a plastic hanger beside me and i think well that's completely man-made and synthetic but when you break down the components and you go back far enough it it all comes out of the ground essentially yeah it it always it always does so no matter like even though waxworms didn't evolve to eat plastic their ability to find the organic molecules in in the plastics is just always so trippy to think about and it's similar to like the i I remember hearing about bacteria in the ocean that Mm -hmm. was capable of eating like oil spills um crude oil spills and and basically pollution from you know our our terrible treatment of our waters um and and how how just trippy that is that it's like no, everything eventually is going to break down because it started broken down. We just put it all together uh, with science and it will return eventually. Eventually, yeah. The problem is how long the eventually yeah, will be. Yeah, But yeah, no, Definitely. like bacteria are very similar in that they can, uh, you know, help break down things that seem toxic or, or inedible to any living creature. But yeah, I mean, you have the same problems as like throwing worms on the problem, which is like bacteria, of course, create byproducts. It could be better than an oil spill, but it could also have unpredictable effects. So it's it's a useful thing. It's it's something that is promising, but it's also like I don't think we can just be like, well, we can spill oil everywhere, uh, use plastic yeah, bags all the no. time and it'll be fine. It's still bad. Well, and uh, inevitably that will be the lesson that we take from it but it shouldn't be uh but yes we 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 love coming up with solutions and going well that solved that i guess we can we can <laughs> keep uh keep on keeping on you know it's it's just we always without fail take the wrong lessons from whatever advancements we make i feel like yeah yeah unfortunately i think we there's hope for the future record. though the kids are all right maybe they'll they they are they are <laughs> Maybe they'll figure finally figure out not to throw more worms on the problem, but uh, we'll see. <laughs> I, I it does sound fun though. Throwing worms on your problems sounds yeah. like kind of a blast. You know what? You know what that sounds like? It just sounds like taking up fishing. It sounds it like does. it sounds like you know you're you're you know what? I'm in a kind of a rut right now. I'm going to go fishing, uh, and it's like the most like you know, old man, boomer humor type of thing. But, uh, you know, just hang a sign up on your door that says gone fishing uh, and go sit by a lake and throw worms on your problems. I feel like I'd take a Dale Gribble approach and just have some pocket worms that I throw on someone that I don't want to talk to anymore. (laughs) Oh, that's even better. They would be distracted. That I, I would be, uh, rendered speechless. I can honestly admit. And that rarely happens to me. Honestly, I feel like it's a good technique. Well, it is. You're absolutely right. <laughs> before we go, Will, do you want to play a little game? 
Sure. Love to. This is called Guess Who Squawkin', the mystery animal sound game. Every week I play a mystery animal sound, and you, the listener, and you, the guest, try to guess who is making that sound. So last week's mystery animal sound hint was this. I hope it doesn't have a sore throat. That'd be a doozy. Can you Whoa. guess who is making that sound? Hmm. I'm going to say a giraffe. You are absolutely correct, as well yeah. as listeners Asher P, Emily M, and Joey P. Congratulations. You are right. It is a giraffe. So giraffes aren't known for being particularly vocal, but they do make some sounds like the grunting that you just heard. Their sounds are somewhat mysterious to behavioral researchers and haven't been absolutely determined yet, like whether they're a form of communication and if so, what exactly they're communicating. But current research suggests that snorting and hissing may have something to do with defensiveness. Aside from snorts and grunts, giraffes seem to hum at night. And the exact purpose of this low-frequency humming is... Unknown, but it's thought that it could potentially be a form of communication. Uh, Giraffe social life is fission fusion, which means that group composition can change fluidly over time. It's like in high school, if you just have groups of friends that change throughout the semester, uh, giraffes are like that. They're, They're fair weather friends. Yeah, they. I mean, you get like a new hot giraffe that shows up and everybody wants to be the hot giraffe's friend and you kind of leave your less hot, you know, Ugh. giraffe friends behind and there's this stupid it's a giraffe. Whole, it's messy. It's it's a whole whole messy <laughs> thing. Just because Giraffica got her braces off and now she looks super hot. Everyone's so exactly to be friend. Exactly. So annoying. <laughs> It is. It is. Um, have you have you ever, Katie? Have you ever hand fed giraffes before? I have not. I'd love to though. That sounds thrilling. It it is the trippiest. You think you it's it's one of those animals where you picture in your head and you think you know what it looks like, and then you're face to face with one, and you're like, oh my god, this is the wildest looking creature I've ever seen in my life. Like it is. It's it's just one of those animals. It's like a zebra or an elephant or a rhino. You 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 grow up with these these animals, you know, like toys of them or cartoons and stuff. And then you see one in person. They their heads are so massive. Yes. We I've mentioned it before being on here. We have the Ashboro Zoo here in North Carolina. Um incredible incredible place. And you can walk up onto the platform and for like $3 feed it like heads of lettuce and carrots and stuff. And it is the coolest experience. I highly recommend that to anybody who happens to be traveling through North Carolina. Stop at the Ashboro Zoo and feed the giraffes. I think I'd be intimidated. I'm already intimidated by horses. I greatly respect horses because they're so large. And I think that we we just... We don't get stomped up by them just through their merciful nature. Yeah, that's true. So I feel like if I saw a giraffe, I would just like bow in front of them and be like, please spare me, uh, sir. 
even if you don't hand feed them, you have to just walk up on the platform and just because their their heads are just like level with you. So yeah. they can't really like get in where you're standing or anything, but their tongues are so long and so massive. It is the trippiest looking thing you've ever seen. They it's, could it's strangle incredible. you with their tongues. Uh, yes, just about, just about. It's Seriously, just you're, because you're, they're merciful that they don't. It's true. It's true. There's strong true. tongues too, because they they use them to like rip off leaves off of trees. So yep, yep. Yeah. They they rip whole branches down. I like, feel like we've got we are so lucky that they're herbivores. So <laughs> yes, lucky. Seriously. Also, speaking of giraffes and zoos, a baby giraffe with no spots was born at a Tennessee zoo. <gasps> so it's like entirely Whoa. brown. It's very cute. It's like kind of awesome looking because we just take for granted that giraffes are spotty. And this one has a unique mutation where it does not have spots. So it is. That's so cool. Yeah, it's just very cool looking. I mean, it's like usually we wouldn't think of it as being like something that's just a solid color as being cool. But like when you see it and you're expecting something else from a giraffe, it's just it's very cool. Yeah, it has are there cases of like zebras being born without their stripes? Yes. Yeah, absolutely. Oh, whoa, that's trippy to it think is. about. Yeah. Huh. I I have to I have to look this up now. Oh my god. Oh, that is the cutest thing I've ever seen. Like giraffes are already adorable. That is so cute. Okay, Katie. Yes. Do giraffes have poisonous saliva or venomous saliva? Not that I'm aware of. So I can have this one as a pet. (laughs) I can have a giraffe as a pet is what you're saying. You're like publicly endorsing. That's absolutely what I'm publicly endorsing. Giraffes as pets for sure. Sweet. Don't do it. This is is the cutest thing in the world. (laughs) Oh, man. So trippy looking. I, I can't. It's like it's like when you you grow up in in your town and you're bored by everything and you hate it and then you like go out into the world and then you come back to your town and you realize like oh as an adult this is like such a cool place to live you know it's like you you like grow an appreciation it's like growing up at the beach you know yeah and you take the ocean for granted and then you move away from it and then you miss it all the time and then you come back and you kind of rediscover things that's kind of how it is with these large animals that i'm talking about like the rhino or the the elephant or zebra and you know tiger lions all that stuff like when you just like examine one for, with like a fresh perspective yeah it it's like how do these things actually exist this is the trippiest thing yeah, in the i world. think it's because like without the spots it messes with our pattern recognition and our brain right we're yeah, expecting a giraffe yeah. to have spots and so and we've seen so many giraffes just through you know picture books whatever that we are we aren't uh wowed by a giraffe maybe in person we are but just seeing it in a book it's like okay that's a giraffe just seeing a picture of it but like when it doesn't have the spots it's like oh its neck is super long like i i really hope this one is healthy and makes it to adulthood because i think seeing an all tan fully grown giraffe will really just kind of because it's because it's not falling into your brain's archetype of what a giraffe is, it's just going to be very startling to see. Exactly. Like, Whoa, this animal is actually really huge. Like, yeah, this is actually yeah. <laughs> a gigantic animal. So that's very exciting. 
All right, on to this week's mystery animal sound. The hint, you'd better not step over the line with this grounded animal. All right, do you have any guesses for what this animal is? Huh, I'm gonna go with a bird of some sort, but I, I'm so bad at bird calls. My wife has gotten so good listening to the birds in our backyard. She knows them. She knows all of their songs by now. Well, you want to call your wife in here? <laughs> I I will not use a lifeline. Uh, I I wouldn't even know. Uh, I'm gonna go with my favorite bird, uh, the tufted titmouse. Aw, cute. Well, we'll find out next time whether you are correct on the next episode of Creature Feature. Will, thank you so much for coming on. Where can people find you? Thank you so much for having me again, Katie. Anytime. Um, you can find me uh, on Twitter still at the Wapple House. Had to switch accounts since last time um, <laughs> due to some very stupid uh, reasons I won't get into, but uh, at the Wapple House, and you can find me on Jort Center. Uh, that's at Jort Center Pod. Um, yeah, I'm on Blue Sky now as well at Wapple House, and Jort Center's on there as well, and get it wherever you get podcasts. Uh, thank you guys so much for listening. If you think you know who's squawking on this episode or you've got any questions, you can write to me at creaturefeaturepod at gmail.com. I've also finally given in and I have a TikTok. It is Katie Golden. That's K-A-T-I-E-G-O-L-D-I-N, one word. And I'm posting animal content on that. And it's a brand new account i'm just a little baby i'm a little baby on tiktok i don't know what i'm doing be nice Nice. to me i guess uh so are you uh katie not to interrupt you are you going to be doing tiktok dances of animals from the animal kingdom oh now that you've said it i have to do it I hate that. So like the, I hate that the, now I have to do that. <laughs> like mating <laughs> rituals of like birds and stuff. You have to. I guess I got to. I guess I got to do that now. Thanks. I'm sorry. Thanks I just a lot. Ruined Will. your whole experience. Now You're I have welcome. to do that. Uh, but yeah, I, I'm giving out animal facts and also uh, playing the mystery animal sound game on on the TikTok. So we've got we've got uh, even more opportunities for you to guess animal sounds. So check that out. Again, it's K-A-T-I-E-G-O-L-D-I-N on TikTok. And thank you guys so much for listening. And thanks to the Space Cossacks for their super awesome song, Exolumina. Creature features a production of iHeartRadio. For more podcasts like the one you just heard, visit the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or hey, guess what? Wherever you listen to your favorite shows, I don't care. Do what you want. I'm not your mother. See you next Wednesday. Does money stress you out? Let FACET flip your financial chaos into clarity. Finding FACET immediately put us at ease. FACET's innovative approach to financial planning ensures your money works as hard as you do, enabling members to experience the joys of having your finances in order. And that makes us FACET for life now, I guess. <laughs> Visit FACET.com, F-A-C-E-T.com to learn more. This ad is sponsored by FACET. FACET Wealth is an SEC-registered investment advisor. This is not an offer to buy or sell securities, nor is it investment, legal, or tax advice. These testimonials are from current FACET members who are not compensated. All opinions are their own and not a guarantee of a similar outcome. This is Tracy V. Wilson from Stuff You Missed in History Class. The national sales event is on at your Toyota dealer, making now the perfect time to get a great deal on a dependable new car. 
Like a legendary Camry built for performance and available with all-wheel drive, you can count on your new Camry to get anywhere you need to go. Or check out an affordable and reliable Corolla with a trim for every lifestyle. From the hip sedan to the sporty hatchback, there's a Corolla built just for you. Check out more national sales event deals when you visit buyatoyota.com. Toyota, let's go places. Ready to celebrate International Women's Day? M&M's and iHeart present Women Take the Mic, sharing empowering stories of women supporting and celebrating each other. And of course, there is a smooth and creamy companion for your listening pleasure, peanut butter M&M's, because they're just another way to help treat yourself in situations where you deserve a little added delight, like listening to your favorite podcast. So savor the deliciousness of peanut butter M&M's and spread some positivity. From breaking glass ceilings to dominating in sports and entertainment, women truly are unstoppable.